0: Everything seems like a good idea after you've had a few. Mm, yeah, that's this show. In my car, and I'm listening to the radio. It's time for Dukes and Bell. Oh, someone told me it's the black Beverly Hills. Is that true? Driving in Atlanta just got a whole lot more bearable. Welcome to the party, pal. Hi,
1: everybody. Carl Dukes and Mike Bell. The names that mean good.
0: Say my name, you know who I am. Carl hey,
1: Dukes. Dukes. I drink.
0: And I know things. Oh, don't question my authority, things! King Kong ain't got on me. Sometimes you just gotta call somebody. And I'm not ashamed to say it.
1: You know. Ah! And Michael. am funny how i me, mean, funny like I'm a clown. I amuse you. Vote you guess my name! Bring a picture of beer every seven minutes till somebody passes out. And then bring one every ten minutes, right? Get ready for the best five hours of your life. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, stuff.
0: Don't believe me, just watch. This is Dukes and Bell. You know
1: what? Why don't we start doing the stuff that other guys have done on other radio shows around the country? No! No.
0: On Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Atlanta! It's over. It's Dukes and Bell (laughs) at Sports Radio 92.9, the game. We start off every day and every hour by saying, Hey, "Hey, man! man, You wake up some days... And you feel like you might want to make a video like Tom Brady. Of course, the difference is we don't have Tom Brady money. Right. Brady, the most accomplished NFL quarterback ever, basically going on social media today and calling it quits. Now, we're going to talk about this. We'll talk with Rick Stroud from Tampa Bay Times down there in Tampa a little bit later on in the show. Uh, But, Mike, it's dominating the sports world today, and rightfully so. Now, the, the, the skepticism, though, right? Is he did this last year on the same day and right. then he decided to come back just weeks later? And a lot of fans and a lot of people, whether you're a Tom Brady fan or not, you got to respect this, okay? You got to respect what he did, what he accomplished. But a lot of fans, Mike, are skeptical that, like, okay, dude, what makes me believe that you're not going to come back in just a few weeks? Now, if he's on a TV
1: contract and uh, the thing happens so quickly and abruptly, according to some reports that are out there already, Fox was totally blindsided. So now maybe Fox is going to scramble to put Tom Brady in the next two weeks, somehow cobble together something where Tom Brady can be having a feature. I can make. Carl, let's be honest. It's six hours of pregame. I'm sure they could find a place to squeeze in Tom Brady. But the producers of Fox apparently working on that. Greg Olson's done such a great job. But Brady is the guy slated to make $35 million over this contract and go do TV. But I, thought my first reaction was, what if San Francisco's quarterback situation, any of the teams, the Jets have a problem, the Dolphins can't seem to find Tua. Uh-oh. You know, I'm just, I'm just saying, after Brady pulled what he pulled this last time, how do you not see him? Unless he's already locked in the – I mean, I'm not saying he's going to take his headset off in the middle of a TV broadcast. <laughs> I've got to get to ta- – you know, wherever.
0: But do you put it past him? The scenario you're laying out, no. The idea that – he is going to play for another team. Listen, I think you get to a point once the season starts. Right, right, this is when you really, you really start to feel like, damn, I miss it. Right now, you're going through the the the, the rows of you know thinking through this and trying to be um, in the best mindset that you possibly can. But when the season starts and your guys and you guys you played against and you know you can still play, I think that's mm-hmm. when it bothers you. In that scenario, you're laying out. Is it real? Could he come back? Yes. But the story is, and, and again, Rick Stroud was even talking about this, that it was either Tampa or, or nowhere. He was going right. to come back to Tampa and play, or he wasn't going anywhere. And, you know, the bigger thing for me, Mike, is for us now here in this division, I want you guys to think about this for a second. It's Dukes and Bell at Sports Radio 92 two nine. in the game. Desmond Ritter's our quarterback. Who's the Bucs quarterback? Who's Carolina's quarterback? Who's the Saints quarterback? We actually have a leg mm-hmm. up. For the first time in a very long time where you could say Desmond Ritter's quarterback number one. All these other teams now have to figure it out. It's the hardest thing to figure out. And even though Mike and I have our doubts about Ritter, we at least know we got a guy. They don't know who's going to be their
1: guy. And based on the Pro Bowl stats, our guy could be a Pro Bowler this year. Desmond Ritter, Carl, should be in the Pro Bowl if you missed it yesterday. Yeah, man, we've got a guy we certainly feel at least more confident in. I know that the Bucks don't have a sample size like that with anybody not named Tom Brady. we already talked about uh, the Saints situation, and you already touched on Carolina. So yeah, that's one good thing you feel pretty pretty strongly about. I mean, I, I don't. I'm glad that uh, Sean Payton didn't land in the NFC.
0: I'm glad he didn't land in Charlotte. I thought that was a kind of a minor blessing. No nah. disrespect to Frank Wright. No man, listen, <laughs> because he knows the secret sauce. <laughs> The thing about Sean Payton is he knows how to build teams. He knows what he wants. Yes, Mickey Loomis has been there for a long time. But all of that stuff went through Sean Payton. He doesn't take this job in Denver, Mike, and go, eh, let me look at the personnel. He knows what he wants to do. I don't know if that's going to be the case with Frank Wright. They still have to draft and develop a quarterback. So we should feel halfway decent here in Atlanta about Tom Brady stepping away. If he decided to come back, regardless of who was on the roster, you were going to say Tampa Bay still the team to beat. Right now, for me, Mike, this division is wide
1: open. And as you guys know the history, if you don't know the history, teams have gone from worst to first about six times in the last 15 years in this division. It happens. We've done it once ourselves. So you can do it. You can make the right moves. Again, we all know the cap space, and now uh, it's projected to be around $70 million, give or take, once Mariota comes off the books. And Carl mentioned yesterday, there'll be other guys on some of these minor deals that'll come off. So we're going to have more money. We got uh, an eighth pick. And a lot of draft picks. we got a couple extra picks this year, Carl. So if you do it right and complement what we've already got in place, which is a hell of a running game, a, a promising young quarterback, two athletic receivers, one is that hybrid tight
0: end, you got a lot of stuff you can work around. 404 741 Falcon fans, are you with us? This is good for us. This is good news for us. It is a day like people have been, you know, sad. I'm like, dude, he won seven chips. Hmm. This guy played in ten Super Bowls. He's nothing to be sad about. But I think people saw this heartfelt, emotional post that we're going to play for you. And Garrett's in today for Turtle. He was on filling in for Andy today on Andy and Randy. This is the the release of the Tom Brady video. And when people saw this, they went, yeah, I kind of feel sad. This is Brady this morning. Good morning, guys.
1: I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time. So when I woke up this morning, I figured – I just press record and let you guys know first, so I uh, won't be long-winded. Like you only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So I uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting
0: me, my family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever, there's too many. Thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream I
1: wouldn't change a thing. Love you all. Okay, and again, uh, it was bittersweet and short and sweet because, again, last year he did the big long one. And then only to come back and just surprise everyone, including apparently his former wife. So in this case, yeah, I thought it was kind of eloquent. And look, I... I know this last year was not the way he wanted to go out, but you never get to go out on top. He should have probably, in all honesty, stood by his word last year, and that was an honorable exit against the Rams. They very nearly came back. I've compared it to Joe Montana's last game uh, with the uh, Chiefs, and I thought that was certainly a great way to go out, although he didn't win it. But, you know, he came back, and but you're not going to remember this year. It's like you don't remember Johnny Unitas as a charger. You remember Johnny Unitas as, you know, the man making the big plays. You don't think of Joe Namath hobbling around. You know, I mean, you think of Joe in 69 in the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, I, I, Mike, it's so hard, I think, when you win. Like, for example, when they won here, Super Bowl, and they beat the Rams, he could have walked off the field then. He didn't even have to do the Tampa thing. He could have said, oh, I'm done. Mm. And, and, you know, you have this happy ending. Very few guys get to choose their ending. Now, Mike brought up brought up his uh, his ex-wife, Giselle. She just put out a statement, and this is the irony of this whole situation with Tom Brady. It's Dukes and Bell. We're talking about Brady announcing his retirement for good. Mm-hmm. His words, not ours. Giselle says, wishing you only wonderful things in this new chapter of your life. And I'm wondering if she's sitting there and going, if you only retired last year, your life might have me still in it. <laughs> I, I don't know what she's mm. thinking, but Mike, literally, we know the football became the, 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 the fraction or the, the, the friction in this relationship. It was one of the things she had asked him to step away and spend more time with the kids. And, and that's another part of this. I think today when you see Tom Brady on the beach, wherever the hell he was, you know, he's like, look, I've given 23 years of this to my to my uh, to my family. It's time for me to be where I need to be. And I think, Mike, that plays a role. And oh, by the way, now I'm divorced because I wanted to do what I wanted to do. It's plain and simple. So she puts out a nice statement. Obviously, they share the kids, and, and they're going to try to be the best parents they can. But it's the irony is, if you stepped away <laughs> last year, you might not be divorced. Yeah, and uh, who knows? You, know, you never rule out reconciliation. He's got
1: his side piece. She's got her jujitsu trainer. Maybe someday, Carl, and all comes back together. You know, kind of like uh, Richard Burton and Liz Taylor. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I just felt that you know Brady was a guy, and, and again, because everybody not from New England. For many years, got sick and tired of Belichick and Brady and the Patriots. But when you look at it from afar now, you realize how good it was and how great Tom Brady is and how Belichick never won a Super Bowl before him and hasn't and won't win one after him. So the right man for that uh, that system, but certainly a guy who excelled. Carl, you and I have debated this for years. I was a die in the wool Joe Montana was the greatest quarterback to ever dress out. And he was also surrounded by tremendous talent. Nobody does this in a vacuum by themselves. You got to have pieces. But to go down to Tampa Bay in a completely different environment with all of the pressure and all of the expectations, and to win that Super Bowl—I mean, that, that more than Carl cancels out the uh, the argument that well, he was a Belichick system guy. All, all quarterbacks playing systems. Come on, this guy's the goat. Period. Everyone knows it. If you don't, you're lying to yourself, and you get your own agenda.
0: Best ever, period. Best ever. Um, and and the crazy thing is. Uh, and I said this I told this story maybe a few years back but I got a chance to be around Tom Brady about three days in the early 2000s this was after his second super Bowl and um the trading company that that um he does business with uh I was good friends with trading him, cards trading cards right. and and they signed it's basically his memorabilia deal and we went up to New England um and I got a chance to go up there because I did some stuff for them and and traveled around the country at that time and did some stuff for them. But they, we went up there, and they were like, hey, we're going to Brady's. And this was after his second Super Bowl. And, and met him, and he's signing footballs and doing all this stuff. And, you know, Mike, when you win one or two, you think that might be it, right? right. So you're thinking, okay, these footballs, Super Bowl two, my second <laughs> ring, may be it. I may not win another one. So, you know, he's signing all this stuff. And we're sitting there, and we're talking about all different kinds of things. And literally, I just remember the fact that he was talking about, you know, I'm going to take a week off, or maybe it was two. 8, 10 days, something was crazy. And then I was like, well, what are you doing then? And he was like, I'm going back to work. That was Brady. He never took time off. It's what made him great. If you're willing to sacrifice that kind of, that those kinds of things, Mike, you're going to be great. And Brady just, it was like, yeah, I'm going to take a week off and then I'm back to work. And literally all this TB12 and all this stuff that we later found out about, you know, that didn't come about until, you know, recently. But this is early 2000s. He He's not the Brady you now know, and that was his work ethic. And he could have just chilled. He had two Super Bowls under his belt. So I don't know if anybody was obsessed more about winning than Tom Brady, and it played out with seven Super Bowl rings. All right, we got plenty more to get to. Coming up, Hawks in action tonight, guys. But there are bigger fish to fry because rumors on the street say the Hawks are looking to be sellers. We'll talk about it next on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game we're gonna get going let's go back to more dukes and bell are you ready on sports radio 92.9 the game it is dukes and bell we're gonna talk (laughs) more about tom brady later in the show rick stroud's gonna stop by your comments are more than welcome um what's going on with the hawks they play at the suns tonight yeah what is up with the hawks all right well first thing is first is trey gonna play tonight because he missed the last game against Portland. Landry Fields, our general manager. He had a bunion, I heard. Yeah. Well, get, listen, get it removed, cut it, do whatever you need to do. All right. Actually, it was a, ankle. I'm being a wise get ass. Get a buzz saw. I'm going to get you My <laughs> bunion. <laughs> Here's what Landry Fields said on the morning show, the general manager of our Hawks, about Trey being back tonight. This should be a one game thing, depending on how his rehab responds at the ankle. It's, it's not mild, but you never know how these things linger and whatnot. But I know he's being diligent about his rehab right now. All right, so should be a one-game thing. Let's hope so because, again, this is a very important road trip. Jazz, Nuggets, at Pelicans we mentioned, and then you come back home and play the Suns on the 9th of February. But, Mike, Mm. Sam Amick, who came on our show a couple weeks back, right, when the whole Travis Schlink thing broke, and Sam came on our show and talked about it. um, Rumor on the street is that the Hawks are still actively shopping John Collins, but this is bothering me. I told you guys that already. But now, all of a sudden, Mike, they are not mandating a first-round pick in in return. And basically, the Hawks are saying, hey, look, if you want to make a trade for John Collins, we're fine with that. Just give us a quality player back. A quality player or players. Uh, And what, a second-rounder? Mike, you you gave away three first-rounders to get DeJounte Murray. Mm -hmm. The way you recoup that, okay, in the big picture is, yeah, I want a quality player, but I'm not just giving John away – for a dude. I'm, I can't. Yeah. I mean, this gets back to,
1: and maybe we'll have a chance to talk to Tony Ressler in the future, but, you know, what are we doing? Uh, are we going to try to make a big move? And then a big move might mean taking on a big star player. You know, a third element. And maybe even as a rental player even if it's, you know, it's not down the road, Carl's just down to make a run. But we're not even going to sniff the luxury tax. And that's a little disappointing, if I'm honest. We'll talk to Steve Coden about it on Friday, get his spin on that. But, I mean, what are we doing here? John Collins, like, I, we've gone round and round about what he is, what he isn't. But I'm not giving him away for, as uh, my old friend would say, fish heads and rice. That's right. You know, let's, let's come on. Let's do something here. This goes back to the concern and the Sam Amick report about how exactly decisions are made. Nothing against Landry Fields. This is his first rodeo. And then you've got the input from Wrestler's son, who fancies himself a personnel
0: guy. That's scary. It is scary. And it shouldn't be, I'll take a quality player. It should be, here's what we demand if we're going to trade John Collins, who's a $25 million guy year. Whether you agree with it or not, it's what it is. So here's the other part about what is out there and, and what's being rumored. Now, Mike, I've told you I would trade Bogey before JC. Me too. Bogey has a player option for next year. It's $18 million. Now, the only reason you don't opt in is if you feel like you're going to make more than $18 million. I don't know if Bogey's going to make more than $18 million next year. So the point is, he's guaranteed to make $18 million regardless. Guys, the Hawks are trying to move him because they know that. And here's the other part about the luxury tax, to Mike's point. If, in fact, you are afraid of it or you don't want to go into it, Mike, well, then having Bogey on the roster with all these salaries rising and you still have to pay DJ, okay, that's going to come to a head. He's not a free agent until 2024. But if you know DJ, you've seen him, you've watched him, sign him. Let's get it taken care of before it costs more than what it's going to cost two years from now. So, Mike, my point is I'm ready to move on from bogey because I'm picking DJ and paying DJ over just having bogey here basically another year when you know you're going to move on from it. Right. It makes no sense. We are 11th. I mean, guys, it's a lot uh, different than the NFL as far as
1: tracking salary cap. It's the ultimate uh, apples to oranges, Carl. But we are 11th in NBA salary. We are on the positive side of the luxury tax, not in the luxury tax. And then you've got a bunch of teams that are ahead of us that are in it, starting with Philly, Denver, Dallas, Phoenix, L.A., both L.A.s basically, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Golden State, all paying different degrees mm. of luxury tax. We're not in
0: that. We don't want to apparently be in that. If we were a championship caliber team, Mike, would we be in that? Because that's the problem, right? If we were, in, let's just say we we're in second place in the Eastern Conference, mm-hmm. we'd be having a different conversation. Well, let's rewind all the way back to uh, July, August. We thought, right, when DeJounte Murray
1: got the trade gun down, okay, wow, we got two guys can handle the rock. We've got an unbelievable, we got arguably one of the best backcourts in the NBA. DeAndre Hunter is going to go for 20 a night. What we saw in game five against Miami, that's going to be the norm. John Collins is going to be consistent and benefit from Dejounte's ability to pick and roll screens, everything else he can do in in scoring. And we got Capella, and we've got now. If we didn't know AJ Green, uh, AJ Griffin was going to emerge. Now you already talked about Bogey. I mean, that's that should have been a team that could go and do something more than third or fourth in the Eastern Conference. But now we we got we got shambles. I don't know what we are. What are we doing? What are we doing? Am I wrong? When you rewind to what we just talked
0: about, didn't that sound like a pretty darn good package, Mike? We were all sold and buying in. Hell, you bought a 10-game package. I did. I put my money where my mouth is. I mean, we were all like, okay, there's no reason not to be excited about this. And whether you've been to a game this year or not, whether you watched them all season, and most most Hawks fans have, you guys know exactly what we're talking about. And, and, you know, the thing is, now we're at a point where you start to go, okay, if you're Tony Wrestler, what decisions are we making? Because I'm not going to go into luxury tax if I don't have a championship-caliber team. If you were the owner, you wouldn't do it either because you're talking about paying an additional $20 million just for being in the luxury tax. Nobody in their right mind is going to do that unless you are the, oh, I don't know, Golden State Warriors, where you feel like you're going to be able to run it back. I'm not doing that, so I don't blame Tony for that, but I will say, what are we doing? If you're going to make these trades, we should be commanding as much back as possible. And, Mike, I said this last night at the end of the show when John Chuckery came in here. You waited too long to trade JC. Right. The value now has diminished somewhat, and now you're saying, "Oh, we'll just take a guy." I don't want just a guy. Right. And
1: look, John Collins. I I do think he's got it. Look, two things with John Collins. You do need to develop some plays for him. Just a thought. Mm. Because it seems like you know when there's things that are working working for John in the half court. Look, last night, the other night, he missed some free throws, and you know that, that, that irks me. He's done that before, but the dude. We signed him for a reason. Now this, But this also goes back to Travis Schlenk signed him. And part of this whole thing between now we found out that Schlenk was completely out of the loop going back seven months. Now you feel that Landry Fields, does Landry Fields feel married to John Collins? Well, then for God's sakes, everybody and their uncles had him traded for freaking, what, six different times around the last two years. Let's get on with it. But you just touched on it. If you were going to do it, you had to, you had to consummate that trade with the Phoenix Suns. That was the big story about, what, half a year ago. Yep. And you, and you didn't get it done. Well, it could have got done. But it didn't get done. <laughs> and, and now we learn that there was this whole palace intrigue going
0: on. Look it up, kids, behind the scenes, you know, <laughs> with everybody involved in the decision-making process. All right, It's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line. You tell us. We, we, I don't know right now. I just – I have no idea. And let me tell you something else, by the way. Danny Ainge is a genius. Danny Ainge is running the Utah Jazz now. If you think you're going to fleece Danny Ainge, Mm -hmm. it's not happening, okay? I would have rolled the dice, Mike, with Travis Slink because at least he's got the experience of saying, okay, this feels right, this looks right. I don't know that about our general manager right now. And by the way, I say that because the Jazz apparently are interested in John Collins. Watch us get fleeced Mm. for John Collins. Watch. Yeah, I mean, I just, and it's not like
1: it's a knock on Landry Fields. We just don't know what he's going to do because we don't have a track record with him. We don't know. You know? apparently Travis Schlank didn't – he liked the idea of the DeJounte trade. He just didn't like giving up all we gave to get him. And by the way, I love what DeJounte brings. He brings a warrior effort and, and grit and toughness and accountability that nobody else on this roster does, okay, including the highest paid player. Yeah. But we still can't – but we're still not there. We're still not there. And the other thing and, – and all this is – And another And thing. another thing. But wait, there's more. But another thing, all this is kind of a moot point if you can't get Nate – out of the equation in my mind, because Nate doesn't know what he's doing on night night in, night out. The static substitutions, they're tuning him out, they're not playing defense. Is this I mean, why are we gonna roll with Nate through the playoffs knowing that he's a lame duck? Why? It makes Carl, that makes no sense.
0: All right, let me ask you this, because this is the part we don't know. And and maybe maybe you're right, Mike. I feel the same way you do, based on what we know right now. But has the new management backed Nate to a point where he believes that he's going to have the power and some of the say so to help direct where this roster goes. Do you believe that at all? Have other than Steve Coonan, right? I haven't
1: heard, I mean I, I I mean other than Landry Fields going on Bob Rathbun, you know the other night when he sat in, you know, at courtside with yeah. Meek. Yeah. You know, and trying to dispel when the Sam Amick Athletic Report came down, he's kind of like dispelling all the stuff that was reported in that one. I don't – I have no – I'll be honest with you. I'll be straight up. We're on the flagship, and I know this isn't a very popular opinion around here, but I I have no faith in this organization right now. I have no faith in the Atlanta Hawks right now.
0: Got to see what happens at the trade deadline. If, in fact, we're going to move on from potentially John Collins, Mm -hmm. who's still being waved around out there, or Bogey, who I would trade over J.C., or maybe even both. If that happens, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who believe if you do that, you've given up on the season. Because what you're getting in return is not going to help you get past the, the Milwaukee Bucks mm-hmm. or the 76ers or the Boston Celtics because those are the teams you're going to have to go through. What do you guys think, man? 404-741-0929. Find us on social media. He's Mike Bell, A-T-L. I'm at put em up See Dukes and the radio show. It's Dukes and Bell 929. Follow the radio station at 929 The Game. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and across all other social media platforms. I just don't like the feeling of what's happening with our team. And on top of that, we're not winning enough. That's the other problem. If we were winning, and again, a top-four team in the East and we're having this discussion, I'd say, okay, what? well, you know what? Maybe we trade a guy away and it doesn't hurt us as much. Like, every move I feel like is going to set us back significantly. Yeah, Mike. and again, uh, what, what what do they feel? What what do the guys we've been talking
1: about that call the shots feel about this team? Do you feel that if with a nice run, winning seven out of eight, which would put you over the heat, get you into that sixth seed, you're not dealing with the play-in, and then you could say, look, once you're in the playoffs, just like you know, two years ago, anything is possible. Or do you say, look – we're just two games over 500 at home. Yep. We don't play a lick of defense. You know, our, our, our three-point shooting is sketchy at best, and we don't really have – I'll be honest with you. What Right now, close your eyes, not if you're driving. What, right. my eyes what, are closed.
0: What is the Hawks' identity? What is their offensive identity in the half court? Hold on, Mike. I'm searching as my eyes are closed. <laughs> Mike, I see – it's dark. <laughs> yes. It's very Hold dark. On. I'll give you a hint. A guy at the top of the key, oh, oh. pounding the basketball,
1: okay. on, uh, Joe Johnson. I mean, again, we disintegrate and we did Reggie Miller called this out a month ago. When the chips start going down, we kind of fall back into ISO
0: basketball. Unless DeJounte Murray is holding that basketball. He who remains, that's his Twitter handle. He says, Dukes, is the roster mediocre or is Nate mediocre? Looking at his coaching history, he hasn't had a team no higher than the fourth seed in his career. And he spent a long time, man, in, in Indy mm-hmm. and certainly, you know, uh, Seattle. in Seattle. Yeah. So he says, so again, is Nate coaching mediocrity or is the roster mediocre? Yeah, and, that's in
1: the, and I will say this at the texture's point. Do we just overvalue? And because you said, look, you were the first guy to say when we debated the Andre Hunter contract. If he gives me what he did against Miami every night then it validates it. But he hasn't done even close to that this season. No. And that's a big part of it. You know, we got one guy, Trey, history point shooting is down. He's not taking as many threes. DeJounte's a go-getter, and then you start to say who is it John Collins? And then you're going to so you're going to trade the third best piece on this team. Bad decision. I mean, how do you get how are we getting
0: better with that unless we're bringing in a, it's a swap of a superstar for a, or a big star for a big star. That's it. That's what I'm saying. Not just a guy. Right. Landry all right, we got plenty more to dive into. Headlines are coming up. He had the cramps, Mike. He had a cramp. <laughs> we'll tell you who that was and what's going on around the world of sports when we come back on Sports Radio 929 The Game. And then things get really good. Back to more Dukes and Bells. Let's go, baby. Let's go. On Sports Radio 929 The Game. Coming up, you're going to get a chance to hear what Brian Snicker had to say. He joined Andy and Randy. Chris Thomas is filling in today for Andy. And, uh, Mike, we find out that the Braves have announced their non-roster invitees to camp. So the Braves invite 26 non-roster players to uh, to camp, including Jared Schuster, who is their mm. top prospect, according to MLB.com. Outfielder Kevin Pala a veteran big leaguer, and uh, also they invited Jesse Chavez back, Mike. Nice. Again, non-roster players. a good source telling me, apparently, Julio Franco has also been invited,
1: Carl, age 64. (laughs) How old was Julio? Jesus is my juice. (laughs) He he was a... (laughs) He had to be 60. He was 47. Oh, come on. He was for, he was reportedly 47. Like, you know, they didn't have his birth certificate. Well, again, he might have been 50, okay? He might have been like, you know, seriously, like Satchel Page was playing for the Braves. <laughs> but for those who don't remember Julio Franco back in the day the Bravos in the 2000s,
0: uh, Adrianza is coming back as okay. well as a non roster. Okay. But again, this is just, you know, you kind of feel the voids. These are guys, right. some of these guys are familiar with, some guys have to prove themselves. Mm. Uh, but Chavez was a big part of the bullpen over the last two seasons. So, to vi- invite right. him back,
1: that's not a surprise. Because hey, remember, guys, Luke Jackson is gone. Matzick won't be back for a long, long time. So, we're just going to, you know, there'll be some new faces. They've already added some new faces through the uh, through the winter meetings, et cetera. But, yeah,
0: I'm, some of these guys you really are pulling for. All right. Snits on the way. We'll play it for you in the 4 o'clock hour. And uh, you'll get a chance to hear what he has to say about losing Dansby Swanson. Stay tuned for that. It's Dukes and Bell with Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Garrett today is in for Turtle. Uh, Bo Morgan, executive producing. Coming up next hour, more on Tom Brady. He calls it quits. And also, there are uh, some folks who are saying that the owner of the Carolina Panthers, Mike, is a hypocrite. Oh, we will get to that coming up in less than 20 minutes. Right now, let's hit some headlines. Strap in, youngins. Hitting the headlines with Dukes and Bell. We are getting ready for the Super Bowl, guys. February 12th. And uh, ironically, you know, Andy Reid had a chance to hire Nick Sirianni. But Sirianni was so young, and Andy Reid had a guy named Steve Wilkes on his staff that had been with him, and he was like, ah, oh, he's coming with me. So he didn't hire him, and this is what he said about it when Andy Reid was asked about replacing Nick Sirianni in Kansas City when he got there.
1: When I came here, I was told Nick Sirianni is a that this guy is really a special coach, really, really a good football coach. But I had David, David was my assistant head coach and uh, he'd been with me for 14 years. And so he was coming with me and I had to, I had to make that, that determination to keep Nick or not. And, and I knew he being as good as he was with the reputation he had, I knew he was going to get something and it's worked out great for him.
0: So they're playing in the Super Bowl against each
1: other now. Right. And he wound up uh, working with Frank Reich. It was the OC. and That's what got him the job coming back to Philly. But uh, he was uh, offensive quality control. That's where a lot of these guys started off. That's where the Dolphins coach started off. He did that here in Atlanta. And then he was uh, wide receivers coach. And that was how he kind of climbed the ladder. But, again, a lot of folks are saying there's not a lot of animosity from Philadelphia because other than bringing home the bacon, people really respected Andy Reid back in the day. Just, unfortunately, lost a lot of games. They were big ones,
0: usually in NFC championships and sometimes with the home field advantage. What about our football team? Ryan Nielsen, our new defensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, our head coach, was talking about him.
1: You know, a lot of it's about fit and what we're looking for. And you know, Ryan's a guy I have a tremendous amount of respect for. I've gotten to know over the last couple of years. Uh, we have a lot of familiarity. You know, Dwayne Ledford worked with him at NC State. A lot of guys, uh, Sean Flaherty has, Terry has, and we're on. So you got a good feel for who he is day to day as a person, and then professionally, he's been a pretty good adversary. So I got a lot of respect and. Love the, the plan he has and the way we want to implement things and continue to develop our own guys and what we're going to do this offseason.
0: That audio courtesy of Fox 5. <laughs> now, the Senior Bowl is going on, guys, and we're going to talk with Chuck Smith uh, here at the end of the week as he's actually down there. He said he got, he got down there and they were like, we need your help. So he's actually coaching some of these guys um, and getting a, a real good look at some of these guys on the defensive line, the edge rushers, offensive line, et cetera. But, Mike, Warren McClendon is down there, and he talked with DJ Shockley. He was asked about why he's wearing number 77. Tell me how you came to the conclusion of wearing 77. I know Devin meant a lot to you, but what made you wanted to do that this weekend? Really, it was kind of just a no-brainer. You know, once like after everything happened, I was like, I gotta wear it for him. You know, for my brother, my roommate. You know, I had to do it.
1: Yeah, man, and uh, you know the tragedy is still very fresh. He answered a number of questions about that. Said things also he's been going through some uh, some counseling and some therapy, which I think you'd imagine when you go through a kind of a traumatic experience like that car crash in Athens.
0: He is one of the survivors from that fatal crash that took the life of Devin Willock um, and uh, the support staff there with the, the University of Georgia. He, here's what he said, Mike, about wanting to play because people said was he going to show up? Should he be at the Senior Bowl? And Warren McClendon, again, talking to our buddy, DJ Chocolate. It was rough for me, you know, a couple days, but I've been talking to a psychiatrist, and it's it's getting better day by day. How have you gone from the mindset of what happened to where you're at now, being out here, being able to play? Um, It was tough, you know, but I know Devin, if he was out here, I mean, if he was still here, you know, he would want me to come out here and, you know, give it my all.
1: Yeah, and I guess not to sound trite, but give you something to do. Take your mind off it and get back to work and, uh, and think about the next stage of your life and the pros.
0: Yeah, you, you have to. Um, I'm not saying it's not tough, but, but I, I think it's probably the right decision. And, again, Chandler LaCroix, 24 years old, was the UGA recruiting analyst who also passed away in that tragic accident. Accident. So he is there at the Senior Bowl, um, and, and we're getting reports from various guys, and people are there, Mike. Um, the thing that stopped the Senior Bowl today, as we talk about what's going on around the world of sports, headlines brought to you by our friends at ATL Live Well. Low testosterone doesn't have to keep you down. Call ATL Live Well today. Don't just don't just live. Live well. Tom Brady retires, and they said today, Mike, everything kind of stopped down there, in Mobile. Everybody was on their phones, and right. coaches were like, "Whoa!" Because then you had all this, in, all these NFL personnel folks getting calls and text because apparently nobody knew and. Nobody knew until 6 a.m. this morning when Brady woke up and went, I'm retiring, and I'm ty- typing, thank you, Buccaneers. He let the Bucks know early this morning, and then that post came out like 8 o'clock. Yeah, and
1: it blindsided, as we said, to start the show, and even blindsided the executives at Fox, who now are going to find a way, I would imagine, to squeeze him into some pregame out there in Arizona because uh, he's going to have a big contract. It, it will be Burkhardt and Olsen, and then eventually it's Burkhardt and Brady as far as the number one team. But, uh, yeah, this one kind of really surprised everybody. A lot of folks, and I don't know if this was a process of elimination. The, the the Jets, have again, whether it's conjecture or not about Aaron Rodgers, we'll talk more about it in the Blitz. Dolphins already ruled out Brady. That came out yesterday. And I thought maybe San Francisco Francisco was intriguing for a number of reasons, Carl. Really good team. Yeah. His home where he's from originally. Grew up a 49ers fan. I think kind of had a nice synergy to it. But apparently that's that's it. And because it was such a giant production last time, this time he realizes you can't do that again. So it was 50
0: seconds of video with him on the beach. Looking right into your – with those eyes, Carl, emoting emotion. It was. Yeah, it really was, man. I mean, honestly, the first time I watched it this morning, I was like, oh. And then they played it back, and it was like – it was like, oh, he really is. He's about to cry. Yeah. Is he about
1: to cry? Now again, and then my wife, because I married a person just like me, goes, "How many takes you think that was? Who knows? Who knows?" No, I mean, again, it looked like it was
0: heartfelt. I'm, gonna, you know what, Becky? I won't be cynical. That's a, I think that's it a was, jerk move, by the way. I think it was. I tank. mean, this dude, this dude is retiring after 23 years, and you're like, <laughs> "Well, how many takes did he make? Who knows?" Uh, that's got, a jerk move. I gotta be honest. I kind of thought the same thing, but I I'll, I'll say it was take number one. How about that? Listen, if it's heartfelt. You hit the record button and you do exactly what he did. But at the end of the day, he got the message across. So Tom Mm. Brady says again, his words, not ours. Because I know you guys are like, y'all said he's done. He's saying he's done. This is it. 23 years. The best ever. The best to ever do it. Mm. Seven Super Bowl rings. Five-time Super Bowl MVP. He's done. All right, so one guy's career
1: ends, and another guy's about to begin as far as college. At least you'll have to wait another year, Georgia Bulldog fans. But because National Signing Day, and there's two parts of it now, this has sort of become an afterthought, there were still, Carl, some big names out there. And one was Ellis Robinson the fourth. Oh! Yes, Carl. Carl's black unicorn exists. An African-American man who is a fourth. Now show me another. I'll wait. Well, I mean... I'll find a phone book. I'll find somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find a phone book. Hey, man. The reason why he's a junior, this is class of 24. He wanted to knock it out, get it out of the way. Colorado, Deion Sanders, Miami. Uh, there was a bunch of usual suspects that were out there. But it will be the Georgia Bulldogs for the number one junior defensive back, a corner
0: making his commitment today. That had news earlier. How good is Kirby when you got juniors? Right. Are like, yeah, I'm going to Georgia. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Now it doesn't hurt, Mike. You win national championships, right? I mean, you're on the big screen and you're, you're 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 blowing out TCU. That doesn't hurt. But I was more astonished that you said. Dion and Colorado's hat was sitting yep. on the table. LSU,
1: Miami, uh, Bama's there, but it was Georgie pulled out a bulldog, they had, a, they had like a little bulldog replica.
0: Oh, a real one, a out. real one. No, no, it
1: was, a, it was a, like a plastic thing, you oh, put okay, it on your okay. dashboard. If you're really right. tacky, but anyway, yes, yeah, so he pulled that out and uh, announced it's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be UJ. He did that down at the IMG Academy down in Bradenton. Isn't that where all these studs go? I mean, yeah. That's, I don't know. That's yeah. what I've heard. Yeah. I mean, I, I know what the class structure is like, but sure it seems like a lot of fun. <laughs> class structure down there about
0: the, five miles from the beach. <laughs> these guys, these guys are playing football. They're playing I mean, ca- pitch and catch every day. It all started initially as a tennis academy, and it blossomed to everything: basketball, football, right. the whole shebang. Yeah, and a lot of guys have transferred there from big prominent high schools. Right. And then they go down there, and they. They get better, ironically, because right. all they do is play. Yeah, and, then, and all they do is nutrition, lift weights. They got a <laughs> they got a gym that rivals an NFL setup. I mean, you ever seen the video about this place? It's insane. And then these guys, you know, they they, right. they commit. So, no, that's awesome. Uh, we were, we are going to get caught up on national signing day now. Real quick, today was used to be the day. Today was the day that you was you couldn't miss. Right. And if you're a college football fan and your school and who your school was going to sign and. Early signing period has killed all of that. Yeah, um, it's and the not, trans, to be honest, the transfer portal is kind of its own thing, and it's, it's, true. it's kind of taking some of the uh, magic from it too. It's true. It's the free agency of college right. football, right? But but that's not to take away from anybody who's signing today. Because again, if you had to wait or you weren't or weren't sure where you were going to go, it's still a big day. But today is national signing day part two. All right, right. Early signing day is in December, and the only reason I say that is Connor Riley is going to join us at four o'clock, Mike, and he'll tell us what it looks like for the dogs. Right now, it looks like they'll have the number two over, overall recruiting class.
1: And right now, guys, you've got uh, wow, you've got five of the top ten are SEC or about to be SEC schools. Now, this is from the twenty four seven Sports. You guys have your own. You can look at ESPN or Rivals. Bama, Georgia, Texas, LSU, Buckeyes, Sooners, Miami, SC. The Ducks and Tennessee. So nice job. Okay. SEC dominating the top ten as far as this year's recruiting classes.
0: Um that's pretty impressive. Boy, I like the I like the third team there on the <laughs> it's pretty that's pretty good. Hey man. You know, uh Texas again you gotta go Get some defensive guys, we'll play a little defense. Well, it's coming, Mike. They're pretty stout. <laughs> Stark is building this team right. like an SEC team because he knows he's going to have to be the SEC. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're good to go. Hey, uh, also, we've been talking about the offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, potentially leaving Georgia. I just want to put this out there. Another guy that apparently is interviewing for the Tampa Bay job, Mike, Jim Bob Cooter. Yeah, I remember him? These are the Lions back in the day. Yeah. So, apparently, he is a candidate that's going to interview. He interviewed with the Panthers, or is interviewing with the Panthers, but his name is out there as well. I'd rather them have Cooter than Munkin. (laughs) You can grab a Cooter, but don't touch my Munkin. Is that what you (laughs) say? Coming up, NFL Blitz.